Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo, CEO of the Cancer Support Community. For more than 35 years, we at the Cancer Support Community have been a relentless ally for anyone impacted by cancer. We help individuals manage the realities of this disruptive disease and get back to normal. Whether accessing our free services in person or at one of our 175 locations, online or over our toll-free helpline, you are getting a team of licensed professionals providing patient navigation, financial counseling, genetic counseling, pediatric support, and more. So today, as part of our special series, Spotlight on Precision Medicine, we're going to talk about targeted therapies, an exciting new approach to cancer treatment. Over the years, Frankly Speaking About Cancer has tackled a number of complicated medical topics and targeted therapies, and this most definitely fits into that category. But we don't shy away from tough topics here, um, however impenetrable that they may seem. Together and with the help of an expert, we dive in, making sense of difficult medical terms and concepts so that you can make the best most informed decisions for you and your loved ones. And that's exactly what we're going to do with our guest today, Dr. Jerry Messerschmidt. Dr. Gerald Messerschmidt is an oncologist, hematologist, and veteran expert in clinical research, clinical practice, and development of pharmaceuticals, biologic products, and immune modulation therapies. He was a primary consultant to the Moonshot 2020 program and is an authority in optimizing clinical trial designs to accelerate product approval. He has significant experience and credibility with the FDA and with regulatory authorities in Europe, Japan, and other countries. He currently serves as the Chief Medical Officer Oncology Solutions at Precision for Medicine, Oncology, and Rare Disease. Dr. Messerschmidt was voted Top Hematologist Oncologist in Pennsylvania by Patient Reviews and Top Doctors in 2006 and in the same year was awarded the Pennsylvania State Medal of Honor by the State of Pennsylvania House of Representatives. Welcome to the show, Dr. Messerschmidt. Uh, it's nice to be with you, Kim. So I, we've known each other for a little while, so may I call you Jerry? Yes, please call me Jerry, and all the people yes. out there can call me Jerry. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Um, so there is a tremendous amount of buzz and excitement about targeted therapies. Can you tell us what's behind the optimism and the hope driving research into targeted therapy treatments? Uh, Yes, there's a lot of buzz and a lot of optimism. Maybe as a little background, um, I started in oncology, believe it or not, 40 years ago this year. Wow. And I thought the cure for cancer was right around the corner. Wow. (laughs) Uh, But I can tell you that uh, we're making tremendous headway today. And as a historical fact, this all began in the 1990s with what was known as the Human Genome Project. And what this was, was a worldwide program to actually sequence and understand human DNA. It took 10 years to actually sequence the human DNA, and today we can do it in a matter of several days. The, the, ever since understanding the genes better, uh, we have made tremendous progress, and I'm very excited about the future of the treatment of uh, patients with cancer. That's great to hear your optimism after many years uh, in the oncology field. But, Jerry, I know precision medicine is a new term to a lot of patients. I, it maybe sounds a little like it's something out of a science fiction movie. So h- how do you explain precision medicine to the average Joe on the street? So um, the precision medicine is, is not really, it's a new term, but the concept of treating the real cause of the disease is what is the uh, uh, idea behind precision medicine. So we've done this in the past with uh, vaccinations, with treatment of infectious diseases where we are able to figure out the actual cause of the disease. But it's much more difficult in cancer 
But with understanding the genes, we've discovered that mutations are a primary uh, cause of cancers. And by defining those mutations that are in the individual patient, then we can more precisely pick uh, medicines and treatments that specifically treat those problem areas within that patient, and that's precision medicine. So, Jerry, our conversation today is going to focus on targeted therapies. So targeted therapies are often referred to as the cornerstone of precision medicine. Why is that? The cornerstone, as you know, is often what is holding up the the building, for example. Mm -hmm. In medicine, understanding what are the causes in the individual patient is really the critical issue. And now with understanding the genes better and being able to do testing more efficiently, we can understand where those abnormalities in the DNA, in the genes of the cancer cells, and hopefully we have a treatment against those. So it truly is the basis or the cornerstone of precision medicine today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so let's, for our listeners, let's go a little deeper. I'm going to have you tap into your, your inner middle school science teacher side. <laughs> and uh, it, it really, in, in as simple terms as possible, can you help us understand the difference between a healthy cell and a cancerous cell? Yes, I think hopefully most of your listeners understand the concept of a cell, a single cell, is a really sort of a, a bag a filled full of different chemicals that mm-hmm. are reacting uh, in a very specific and programmed way uh, to uh, do their function. In the human body, there are billions and billions and billions of cells uh, in our body and our different tissues, and uh, these are normal cells and are they regulate themselves they do not have a brain they are purely chemical reactions that are being monitored internally by different reactions and controlled in a cancer cell what happens is is that there are a number of mutations sometimes several hundred mutations within cancers uh, that abnormally change how cells are controlled. And one of the hallmarks of a cancer cell is, is that it never stops growing. And that's really the big issue in cancer at a bottom line. These cells are abnormal and they never stop growing. So, Jerry, are all cancers the same? The cancers are not the same. Uh, They're not even the same within the same patient. So, for example, uh, if we have um, a cancer that's just beginning, um, it's like the Star Wars uh, Star Troopers. uh, And for those in the audience that have... uh, been a Star Wars fan, which I know are most Americans, there were these uh, Star Trooper soldiers called the Clones, the Clone Wars. And uh, what happens is, is in human cancer, it is a clone. It's like the Star Troopers, except what happens, even within the same patient, is one of the clone warriors, one of the clone soldiers, is taken out and given a new survival advantage and then allowed to reproduce and make a new clone. And then one of those people are taken out and make a new clone. So unfortunately, what happens in humans is that cancer is not just one disease, not one cell type, but often 10, 20, 100, 1,000 different types of cancer, all with some similarities, but often with major differences in their ability uh, to grow and survive our treatments. Wow. Fascinating. Fascinating. Um, 
Jerry, we're, we're um, getting towards the end of our first segment. We've got a couple more minutes, but just, just for our listeners so we can kind of grasp the fundamentals. What are targeted therapies and how do they work? What are, what are they targeting? Tell, to open that up for us. So at the end of our first section here, let me tell uh, your listeners that cancer is much different than any other disease I'm particularly familiar with in humans. And that is it is not a disease of a single system within the human body. It's actually a disease of two systems minimally and often many more. The the problem is what initiates this uh, disease type in humans are mutations in the DNA in cancer cells that give them the ability to grow without limit. That's often a first step. But our immune system is often able to find these cells, recognize that they're abnormal, and and uh, and actually kill them and help us uh, clear away those cancers. Unfortunately, if our immune system doesn't do its job real effectively, or if the tumor develops mutations very quickly, the... Um, the um, cancer can continue to grow, develop new survival mutations, new survival benefits, and um, uh, and then uh, uh, actually be able to avoid the immune system. And this is a second major system that's affected yeah. by cancer, yeah. and that yeah. is the immune system. Got it. Got it. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're um, going to take a quick commercial break, um, but when we come back, we're going to continue this very important conversation on precision medicine with Dr. Jerry Messerschmidt. We're going to take a quick break. I'm Kim Tebaldo. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355. Or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts, and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the Azi Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health & Wellness. 
You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tebaldo. Today's episode is part of our special series, Spotlight on Precision Medicine, and is being brought to you in part by Bristol-Myers Squibb. We're focusing our conversation on targeted therapies. With us is Dr. Gerald Messerschmidt. He's an oncologist, hematologist, and veteran expert in clinical research, clinical practice, and development of pharmaceuticals, biologic products, and immune modulation therapies. He has extensive clinical and product development experience in startup, midsize, and large corporate setting. So we're talking about precision medicine. Jerry, I want to um, uh, I want to talk for a minute about immunotherapy. There have been a lot of news stories, a lot of headlines about immunotherapy as a new and exciting treatment approach for cancer. Is immunotherapy a kind of targeted therapy? Let's get back to our glossary of terms here. Immunotherapy is a type of targeted therapy. Um, uh, As I mentioned in the first section, there are really two major systems that are wrong. One is the cancer cell and all of its growth and problems associated with that. But the cancer cell also um, takes over and controls the immune system in an abnormal way. The immune system is able to kill cancer cells. And what these cancer cells do is that They tell the immune system to turn off and they trick the immune system that the cancer cells are just the normal patient uh, that that, um, they shouldn't attack. Immunotherapy actually tries to reverse that. So we target the immune system cells and their different abilities so that it turns off what the cancer cell is telling them and tells them to attack the cancer. And this has been a major advance over the last 10 years. So so let's go to the science for a minute before we get to the practical piece for the patient um, and take a deeper dive in how these targeted therapies work. Um, tell us, how, how do scientists identify the, spe- the specific targets for which they want to develop a treatment? What is that? What is that process? And once they identify the target, how is that information used to create a treatment? Take us sort of behind the scenes of the clinical development process a little bit. Uh, many of your, uh, of your listeners probably remember Indiana Jones and the um, Lost Ark, the Ark of the Covenant. And at the end of that movie, the Ark is in a, is in a wooden box it goes into a huge warehouse full of similar-looking wooden boxes. Uh, today, we are learning so much that actually 5,000 articles a working day are published in medical research. Humans can't really take in 5,000 articles a day worth of data. And so we have to have new ways to do that. And like the warehouse in Indiana Jones, we need a way to find this information. And so what researchers are doing today is what's big data analysis. So the computer systems are being uh, developed and some have already been developed that can take uh, all of this information from 5,000 medical type articles a day and put them into a computer system that can then be searched. And the scientists of today do this on a regular basis to find abnormalities that are in uh, cancer and then begin to develop the pharmaceuticals that can be used to uh, counteract those abnormalities. Got it. Got it. And, and, you know, Jerry, we see a lot of different names used for these tests that are related to precision medicine and targeted therapies. The list is long. It can be confusing for patients. Um, a, a large group of patient advocacy and industry groups agree, agree that maybe 
biomarker testing is the least confusing umbrella, but some of the more popular terms patients might see um, it, it, it are genomic testing, next-gen sequencing. Um, what do patients need to understand about these terms in order to have a discussion with their doctor? Yes, there's a lot of confusion in the terms uh, being used today, uh, but if if the listeners can imagine a circle uh, and then inside that circle a smaller circle, the DNA or the genes are all located in the smaller circle. Outside the smaller circle is where a cousin of DNA called RNA is, and then proteins are on the outside of the big circle. And those are the three major types that are used in what we refer to as biomarker analysis. Genomic analysis is a subset of biomarker analysis. So measuring the genes or genomic is the little circle, the DNA. Measuring the proteins is proteomics, uh, a big word, but it's really measuring the proteins that are on the surface of the cell. And so um, if they can keep that in mind, then they'll begin to understand that anything to do with the DNA is at the basis. And that's really the, the, the ground level for cancer and what's being uh, changed to cause the cancer in the patient. So, okay, so that's a helpful explanation. So is, are there targeted therapies for every kind of cancer? How do I know if there's a targeted therapy? How does my doctor know if, if, if I'm a candidate for a targeted therapy? Should I be asking my doctor about this if I'm diagnosed with cancer? Guide us through that sort of patient side of the conversation. Yes, it's, a, it's very important. And what I've noticed, I, I see patients every week. Uh, and w- one of the important things is, is that often the younger family members, children or grandchildren are very involved in trying to understand for the actual patient what, what is going on. Um, <clears throat> it's this uh, knowledge that people are looking for. And uh, so the use of the term biomarker is very important. And what I would recommend that the patient say to their physician is, can you do a set of biomarkers on my tumor? These are specific tests that are done on the tumor. So if a biopsy is done, which can be done by a a small surgery or a large surgery that removes the the tumor, that information, um, when that's sent to the pathology department, uh, those cells that are taken out can be tested and looked for those biomarkers. But there's also another way that's growing in medicine. It does not replace biopsies, but it uh, may in the future play a much bigger role, and that's called a liquid biopsy. And that's looking in the patient's blood because these tumors actually end up shedding all sorts of uh, pieces of themselves into the bloodstream. And so we can find everything from pieces of DNA, pieces of RNA, proteins, and actually whole cells from these cancers in the blood. And so this is a way of also testing uh, for the biomarkers or the characteristics, the profile of that cancer uh, in that patient. And this is really going to help us in the future and is is helping us in many ways uh, right now. But just asking your oncologist to make sure that they do a set of biomarkers will often uh, get this uh, performed if it hasn't already been done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we've got a couple minutes until our next break here, uh, Jerry. But um, so again, are there, should anybody that's diagnosed with any kind of cancer be asking the doctor about biomarker testing? Are there biomarker tests and are there targeted therapies for every kind of cancer? 
I think everyone should ask, but the answer, unfortunately, today is no, there are not biomarker tests for every type of cancer. For many of the common types, there are biomarkers, uh, but uh, even for some common types, we have no really good biomarkers at this point in time. It, it seems to me that every Every day, every week, I hear of new biomarkers being introduced, and so these can change uh, momentarily, um, and so patients should ask uh, if biomarkers can be done on their tumors, but not all tumors uh, will be able to be tested for biomarkers. So, Jerry, my last quick question before the break, with that in mind, if I have cancer for a long period of time or if I had cancer and then I had no evidence of cancer and then the cancers come back, should I have biomarker testing done again? The answer is probably yes. Remember that one of the key issues in cancer is these clones keep growing and changing and developing new gene mutations. So when cancers come back, they often have new survival benefits by some of the new mutations. And Mm -hmm. this may be uh, tested and then found that now a a new therapy might be Mm -hmm. of use uh, in your particular cancer. Great. Good to know. Good to know. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're having a really great conversation with Dr. Gerald Messerschmidt about uh, targeted therapies, uh, about precision medicine. We've got um, a lot more to cover. We're going to take a quick break here. So uh, don't go away. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. At Lilly Oncology, We know people living with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, deserve more. More can be done for the mothers, daughters, sisters, wives, and partners facing the unique challenges of this advanced disease, and every moment counts. While there has been progress made over the last few years in distinguishing MBC and bringing forward new treatment options, there is still more to be done to truly support the women and men living with this disease every day so they can continue to be there for family and friends. Lilly Oncology is focused on raising more awareness through education, more research, and more dedicated solutions to help empower people living with this disease because together we know we can do more for MBC. This content is selected by the Cancer Support Community and is funded in part by Eli Lilly and Company. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. 
Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tebaldo. Today, as part of our special series, Spotlight on Precision Medicine, we're talking about targeted therapies. Helping us better understand this new and exciting treatment approach is Dr. Jerry Messerschmidt. He's a healthcare industry senior executive and clinician with broad experience in the clinical development of new therapeutic methodologies. In 2006, he was voted top hematologist-oncologist in Pennsylvania, and in the same year was awarded the Pennsylvania State Medal of Honor by the State of Pennsylvania House of Representatives. Um, Jerry, before we continue our deep dive into targeted therapies, can you talk a bit about the goal of this treatment approach of targeted therapies and biomarker testing? There's three general goals that that will make sense, I think, to to the audience. Yeah. Remember that the cancer cell has a, a major problem in that it grows and grows and grows and never stops. Uh, so the first goal of cancer treatment is to try to stop or slow down uh, this relentless growth of these abnormal uh, cells. The second is to actually kill off as many of these cells as possible with um, two different types of, or many different types of treatment, radiation, surgery to remove parts, uh, chemotherapy, immune therapy, whatever we can do to try to decrease the number of tumor cells uh, in the patient is really a critical issue. And then the third goal is for the immune system of the patient to actually kind of clean up whatever cancer cells still remain. We can't find them ourselves because they're uh, too small to be seen without a microscope, but we know that they exist. And so therefore getting their immune system functioning normally to go and search their body for any cancer cells. These are the really the three goals uh, to lead to hopefully lead to cure of cancer. Got it. Got it. And, and those are great insights. And are these targeted therapies typically used alone or are they used in combination with other treatments? And if so, what other kinds of treatments? Really excellent question, Kim. And you can see that if stopping growth is the first goal, that may take uh, a type of drug or a set of drugs. Uh, Killing the cancer cells may take radiation, may take surgery to remove uh, big pieces of the tumor, uh, may take other types of uh, therapies to do that. And third, to get the immune system functioning normally. So combinations are really what are going to be more and more important into the future to try to uh, attain these these goals. And and so we know that I think our listeners many know how chemotherapy is administered because maybe their own life experience of themselves or a friend or a loved one. Um, and, and so that's oftentimes through in either an IV or now there are certainly uh, chemotherapies that are available through oral, uh, you know, oral pills in a, in a pill form. So how are targeted therapies administered and what should patients expect? Well, targeted therapies can be given in multiple ways, uh, very similar to chemotherapy type drugs. Uh, they can also be given by mouth. And uh, and what it determines that is whether the drug itself can uh, get through the stomach and the acid and the enzymes in the intestine and get taken into the patient's system uh, and into their circulation and get to the tumors themselves. So any drug that can get through that system, uh, we try to take by mouth for ease. But many newer types of therapies uh, cannot do that. So, for example, what are called antibody therapies are very prominent today. They're all targeted very specifically to, um, to the cancer or to the immune system. Uh, and uh, those cannot be given by mouth. They will get digested and therefore be ineffective. 
So those have to be given intravenously. Similarly, people have probably heard in the news about cellular therapy. CAR T cells is a type of cellular therapy, and any of these cells actually cannot survive the stomach, let alone the intestines either. And so they have to be given intravenously. But they can also be given uh, directly into the tumor. So, for example, intratumor injection of some of these very targeted therapies is turning out to be very effective and not causing as much in the way of side effects as being given intravenously. Finally, they can also be given within different organs. So, for example, bladder cancer can be treated by having some of these targeted uh, therapies given directly into the bladder and sort of held there for a period of time and then urinated out. Um, So there's new intravenous uh, drugs, there's new oral drugs, there's new intra right into the tumor injection and then into different organs uh, that are being developed. Jerry, can you just take one more minute to expand on cellular therapy, CAR-Ts, and let our audience know how those work? Well, yes, they they are a major advance uh, in the immune system type of therapies or immunotherapy in general. Uh, Because the immune system inside the patient is often being chemically altered by the cancer cells themselves, what we do is take some of the patient's own immune cells that are are just not working right and kind of put them in a washer, get rid of all those chemicals and those signals telling them not to kill the cancer, and then they get changed in the manufacturing process to actually be directed right against the cancer and go kill it. So a CAR T cell and other cellular therapies are are very active uh, immune cells that go into the patient intravenously, find the tumor, go through the wall of the tumor and right into the what's called the environment of the tumor and get up next to tumor cells and start killing them. Got it. Got it. And, and Jerry, um, what are some of the common side effects that patients experience from targeted therapies? I mean, we were oftentimes, again, familiar with side effects of chemo, with hair loss and nausea and vomiting. And are those the same kind of side effects folks are experiencing with these more targeted therapies? Some, some uh, side effects occur with all medications. But one of the things that we've learned from these more targeted therapies is that they're more uh, searching out the actual cancer cell than a normal part of the body. And the side effects are usually from drugs that affect the normal cells. And so with the more targeted approach, they're, they're uh, leaving the normal tissues behind and going directly uh, to the uh, cancer cells themselves. With that said, there still are side effects that can occur. So many of our immune therapies, for example, stimulate the entire immune system uh, to be much more active, and in that uh, can kill the cancer. But sometimes there's also activity that's increased that can uh, cross-react to normal tissues. This is called autoimmune, or uh, against self uh, activity, And this occurs in uh, 10, 15, 30% of patients getting immune uh, therapies, sometimes more. Uh, But these are special. Uh, They are not the same as chemotherapy. And so having um, your oncologist or hematologist experienced in these side effects is also very important. Mm -hmm. So, so Jerry, we're getting uh, close to our next... uh to our next break here, but I'm just curious, um, and this may vary from patient to patient or cancer to cancer, but how does a doctor know if the targeted therapy is working and how long might it take to see evidence uh, of its effect? Can you just fill that in for us and then we're going to go to our break here? 
The, uh, the common way to tell if a treatment is uh, working or not is to actually observe the cancer cells uh, decreasing in size. So a tumor on a scan uh, would become smaller or the number of cells in a tumor uh, decrease and it becomes smaller. This is the primary way that we use, but we also are using other types of scans that can actually measure what are called metabolic activity. So for example, uh, most tumors are quite active. As you can imagine, they're growing all the time. They need nutrients. They need um, structural pieces to be able to build new cells. Uh, and these can be shown in what are called PET scans. And so if your PET scan was positive and then it becomes negative, that's a very positive um, sign that the, the tumor is responding well. Sometimes, however, there are uh, signs in the patient. So, for example, for some therapies, mm -hmm. uh, there is uh, a rash that can be seen uh, mm -hmm. that may be associated uh, with the activity of the drug. And so your doctor may say, wow, you've got the rash. This means probably you're, it's working. Sorry. The association is, is, it is yeah. not as strong as I, we would like. Yes. But uh Got it. Fascinating. Fascinating. Uh, this is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're going to take, take a quick break. We're talking with Dr. Jerry Messerschmidt about precision medicine and targeted therapies. We've got more to cover on the show today, so don't go away. This is Kim Tebaldo. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. At Lilly Oncology, we know people living with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, deserve more. There has been progress made over the last few years in bringing forward new treatment options, but there is still more to be done. Lilly Oncology is focused on raising more awareness through education, more research, and more dedicated solutions to help empower people living with this disease, because together, we can do more for MBC. This content is selected by the Cancer Support Community and is funded in part by Eli Lilly and Company. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help, and many of the people in their lives want to help but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Trains sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit Mealtrain.com slash MMT and enter the code MAGNOLIAB or visit us at CancerSupportCommunity.org. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Genomic Health. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo. Today's episode is part of our special series, Spotlight on Precision Medicine. We've been focusing on targeted therapies 
a new and exciting treatment approach with our guest, Dr. Jerry Messerschmidt. Jerry, um, part of our mission, as you know, at the cancer support community is to help patients make informed decisions. So let's have a frank discussion about some of the limitations uh, of targeted treatment. Sometimes we know the effects of targeted treatments can last maybe six to 18 months. Cancer cells can become resistant. I know that this can be very disappointing and very frustrating to patients. Do we know what's happening in those cases? We're learning more all the time. Um, To our dismay, we found that sometimes when we see tumors shrink, we're actually now pretty clear. We're observing the tumor cells not necessarily dying, but actually just shrinking themselves. So the overall tumor shrinks, and it goes into what's called senescence or where they're basically hibernating like a bear in the winter. They're just laying there, not really doing much, but can come back. Um, so we're, we still have a lot to learn about how to uh, kill uh, cancer cells and how to uh, not have them just uh, shrink and then come back. We also have uh, tumor cells, because of their ability to mutate so quickly, they can actually develop resistance uh, to our medicines. And that's another reason where we think combination therapies are really going to be the treatments of the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Jerry, I want to take a moment to talk about the cost of these tests and the cost of these treatments. And I know from our research and from patients sharing with us at Cancer Support Community that managing the cost of care is a major concern for many people facing a cancer diagnosis. So are these tests being covered by insurance? Are these targeted therapies being covered by insurance? Yes, no, some. And if so, again, what do we tell our patients What questions should they be asking before they get stuck with a big bill that they weren't expecting? This is a really important area. Uh, And the answer in general in the United States is yes. Um, The FDA-approved drug products are often approved with a test alongside it. it. This is referred to as a companion diagnostic. And it helps select those patients that are going to be uh, responding at a high level to the approved drug. These are, these are, in general, covered by most major insurance companies. But there still are some companies that do not cover these, or they, um, they uh, take a long time to make that decision. So patients have to talk to uh, experts, and frankly, the best experts are those that do the insurance billing within a doctor's office or clinic or within a hospital where they can understand what is going to be covered or not. The, the cost of any of these drugs or any of these diagnostics is frankly prohibitive to almost anybody other than uh, billionaires. Um, these these uh, drugs are very expensive, often costing $10,000 a month or more. Uh, and so this is a very important area to get real expert advice uh, so that you don't end up with opening an envelope, finding that you have a huge bill mm-hmm. that you're now responsible for. So ask the questions, be educated. Does my insurance cover the test? Does my insurance cover the treatment? Ask for the, 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 the billing department or a financial counselor at your cancer center or clinic. We have some of those expertise also at Cancer Support Community. So it's important to be educated and empowered and get those answers up front. Um, I think it's great advice. Jerry, we're getting to the end of the show. I think we could do three more shows on this topic and not even, uh, not even get uh, to the rest of that iceberg there. But um, uh, it, it's been great having you with us, and I just was hoping you could go back and maybe just reiterate kind of the, maybe the two or three most important things that you would like our listeners to take away from the conversation today. I'd be glad to. The first thing for the listeners to try to remember is cancer in humans is not one disease, but multiple problems, multiple clones, multiple uh, tumors that are growing and developing uh, in different ways, 
and then, of course, the suppression of the, the patient's own immune system. So remember that human cancers are not one disease. They are many, if not sometimes hundreds of diseases. The second thing that I would suggest is that uh, to treat uh, these many types of clones, many types of problems, combination therapies, and these can still include chemotherapy, radiation therapy, immune therapy, targeted therapies, um, all sorts of different types of new therapies are coming out that will need to be uh, given in combination. And finally, cure means that every single last cancer cell is eliminated from the human body. If any of these horrible cells are left behind, they will grow back and the tumor, the cancer will occur, recur. So curing all of it means not only getting rid of the cancer cells, but also bringing the immune system to close to a normal function so that it can keep the cancer away. Great summary, Jerry. Jerry, uh, just quickly tell me, are you hopeful about the future of cancer treatment in this country? Oh, I'm very hopeful. As I mentioned at the beginning, I've been doing this a long time and looking at the uh, advances. The advances now are coming so fast that frankly no human being can actually keep track of them. And so therefore, what we've developed are what are called big data or big databases mm-hmm. that are scanning the literature, scanning the, the uh, patient information from insurance companies and stuff, and learning as we're going on to help our scientists then to, uh, understand these mechanisms that we can attack, hopefully with pharmaceuticals, and then um, bring those uh, new drugs uh, to patients rapidly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's great advice, and, and I'm, I'm happy to hear your optimism, and I'm happy to hear that you are hopeful uh, about the future of care and the future of treatment. Um, Dr. Gerald Messerschmidt, I want to thank you for joining us uh, on the show today, and I think that you've enforced, uh, reinforced the idea that um, patients need to be educated, patients need to be empowered, Patients need to be their own best uh, advocates when facing a cancer diagnosis, and that's certainly something that we help folks with at the Cancer Support Community. Um, We are a nonprofit, and we provide free support, navigation, education services for uh, for people uh, affected by cancer, all cancers at any stage of disease, and for their family members and loved ones. We have 47 uh, affiliates, uh, beautiful centers around the country where you can go for counseling and support groups, education, nutrition, exercise, stress reduction. All of our services are free for anyone impacted by cancer. Uh, you could call right now and speak to someone on our helpline. That number is 888-793-9355. If you're just grabbing a pen, that is 888 888- 793-9355 or you could call us uh, uh, you could uh, visit our website at www.cancersupportcommunity.org thanks for listening in today this is Frankly Speaking About Cancer I'm Kim Tebaldo. until next time be well, do well, live well Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org.